As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Anyway, she goes to bed. I open up a box out of apartments. I light up. I call myself a cognac. And I watch the 14 fists of McCluskey. What a picture. Yo, homie, that my briefcase? Didn't start asking the right fucking questions. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a very special Rum and Rant. I'm your host, Blake Howard. This episode is brought to you, as always, by our incredible list of patrons. I am going to shout out some of those folks right now, the newbies first, and then we will absolutely go to our top tier, the Macaulay's. A huge thank you, because this is how you are listening to this. Thomas Trang, M, Eve, Christopher, Christopher Fitzpatrick, Anthony Glover, John Paul Davies, Fernando Rodriguez, Ombre, Daniel, Tom Lawless, Dave Chan, Gilbert Martinez, Davindra Hardawa, the one and only Katie Walsh, my co-host on Miami Nice, Samuel Holtzman, Travis Johnson, David Longmuir, Andrew Lang, Shane, Ben David Grabinski, Brandis Tracing, Derek Neville, Adam Skoropoulos, Ryan M., Charles Hood, Kenny Davis, Lucas Kelly, David Evans, Drew Murphy, Jimmy Kincaid, Karen Higney, Lee Zachariah, Brandon Hodges, Peter Wells, 
and Noah G. Thank you all so much. We literally could not do this show without you. This is a very special one. It is an episode featuring the incredible producer extraordinaire Jason Blum on a victory lap for his film that he produced with Scott Derrickson and obviously C. Robert Cargill starring Ethan Hawke. It is, of course, The Black Phone. This one, it's such a nice chat. It's about iconic horror moments. It's about his thoughts on Tight 90, the Jordan Harper named Tight 90 scripts, all those sorts of things. It is so wonderful. Guys, thank you so much for listening. If you are listening and you haven't already jumped onto our Discord, please do immediately. It is such a fun place. We have incredible one heat minute movie nights coming up and these are only going to be available for patrons on our discord we may even chuck in some live shows shortly um Stu Coot, who is also a patron and i have been talking about it as a way to do that but we'll talk about that another time let's jump into it let's get amongst this incredible interview with the one and the only jason alum Jason, firstly, let's let's just start. This movie's absolutely smashing it internationally, and I'm so stoked that Australia is going to finally see it. How do you feel in these moments when you're, like, cresting the wave, or are you just absolutely too busy to even think about the, the small wins of every movie at this point? No, you know what? It's really fun to do an interview when the movie's open to other places and not yet Australia, because <laughs> you rarely are in a position where you're getting to talk about something that you know has connected with our audience. So, uh, so it's actually really fun. And no, as soon as a uh, a hit movie is uh, boring and I'm thinking about the next thing, I will uh, retire. It'll be time <laughs> to quit. <laughs> well, yeah, no, what's, what's amazing is the staying power of the black phone. Like it's getting amazing word of mouth. It's holding consistently cinematically. I know a bunch of people have gone to see it like once, twice, and, and now it's obviously available on American iTunes. Now it's hitting Oz cinemas. So yeah, it's really terrific. Um, your career is insane. Just first and foremost, do you ever have to pinch yourself? Because, you know, for folks like myself, you know, I probably came aware like most people you know the paranormal activities you start to notice your name on things like sinister you start to notice your names on things like that how is it can i ask you as a producer how is it seeing a filmmaker like scott a decade ago and then applying your eyes to something that he's producing a full decade later do you feel like you've both grown do you feel you've grown as a different kind of producer or have you kind of kept uh, a sort of static philosophy about how you work with these amazing filmmakers that um, you sort of sort of work with at the you know at different times of their careers. Um, no, definitely we don't keep a static philosophy. The company has to change every day, or we will <laughs> stop making hit movies. So our philosophy now is very different than it was ten years ago. Um, that's part of your question, and then the second part of your question is. Um, the best way to work with a partner is, you know, never the, once you, when you start to look at a contract or what are my rights and what are their rights, you're the, the battle is lost. Like the process is broken. Yeah. And so, you know, the amazing thing with working with people that we have a long, long relationships with is that there's a huge amount of trust. We trust Scott, Scott trusts us, which makes the process much more efficient because you're not trying to like 
suss each other out or am I being, am I, is he trying to manipulate me or am I, should I manipulate them or whatever? And, and, you know, you, you just, we just, we just know each other so well that it's uh it's a lot more fun. And I think the work is much better. You know, I think, I think Sinister is a great movie, but I think Black Phone is a better movie, better than Sinister. Yeah. I mean, they're both incredible. Like, uh, I think it's different layers of kind of special personal movies that just happen to be like banger genre movies. Right. So that's, I, I think that they both have that completely in common. Yeah, I, exactly. I spoke to Scott earlier. I'm like, you know, without spoiling anything in the movie, there's an image of Ethan Hawke sitting in a chair in the black phone that is burned into my brain forever. I'm like, you, like if you get one of those in any movie, that's like, that's the highest compliment I think that anyone can get as a filmmaker. Can I ask you like through your incredible Blumhouse productions, have you had those moments where you're working on something and a director, you know, you're looking at maybe early versions of the film or whatever the case may be. Can you give me like the the mood board that is in your mind of those images that are just so indelible? Because I could probably do this. I could probably go through your resume and, and tell you some of those iconic images of the filmmakers you've worked with. But I'd love to hear yours because I I get a sense that, you know, when you see an image like the image I'm referring to or some of the images that you might reference, like you kind of go, oh, this is, oh, this is going to be great. Like this is, this is a great movie. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, just to give you a few, like the, uh, the first time I saw the, the slitting of the neck, uh, in invisible man at the restaurant. was one of those amazing moments i mean going way back the first time you see the sheet getting pulled off the bed in paranormal activity first paranormal activity that was that was uh that was an amazing moment um that that invisible you know lee winnell great aussie aussie uh, uh like frequent collaborator of yours great mind for horror that movie like had shrieks in all the sessions i saw it, in. Absolutely. it really did scared the daylights really out did. of people you know 
Lee has Lee puts it in every movie. The fight in Upgrade, you know oh. that fight, the first fight in Upgrade, that's amazing. Wait, wait. Now, now, while you have the advantage. I don't know how you found me, but you shouldn't be here. You killed my wife. No, I didn't do that. That was someone else. It doesn't matter! You'll need to be a little faster than that. Why are you making me do this? Let me know if you need my help, Gray. Stop! Help! I need your permission to operate independently. Thank you. Um, it's fun to think about. Uh, I, I just, I just had another one in. My, oh, I know. The in um in um the visit when the grandmother tells the young girl like to, to crawl into the oven. Remember that? Remember oh that? Oh my god! That was great. Would you mind getting inside the oven to clean it? I'm sorry? I'm too big. I can't reach back there. The kitchen's got to be clean. The oven's off. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. Get farther in there. All the way in. I was, that was great. My wife doesn't watch many horror movies and I said, you will never see the black phone. And, <laughs> no. and she goes, why? And I, and I described, I'm like, there's a moment where there's a, someone walking upstairs and the stairs are creaking and the villain of the film is waiting for them, knowing that they're going to be there. And I described it and she just went, Oh, and I was like, well, I, if, if I can just say it in the car driving to get a coffee in the morning and you can be that freaked out. I think the, the storytelling is kind of is right there. Totally. Totally. I'm interested. You talked about the black phone being a really like accomplished film and you know, you've seen his growth. So, you know, sinister is a great film. And the black phone is in your mind, a better film. I just wonder like this particular, you know, very kind of personal filmmaking that's fused with genre and this particular era, when you're looking at the black phone and when you're starting to see it take shape, what are those things that you're like, this is cinematic growth? Because one of the things I loved watching is like, I feel like it's a, almost like a philosophical conversation of like Scott, right? Like what he was going through as a filmmaker at the time bleeds into sinister right as, a, as in the character that ethan hawk plays in sinister and then this like reflective musing on his past is like fused with this terrific short by joe hill and he and cargill do a great job to <coughs> bridge those two things together 
But when you're watching it, what are the things, what are the notes, what are the characters that are making you go, you know, this is something special and you're seeing this amazing growth? Um, well, I think I think that a, a, a sinister, I mean, um, the black phone was very kind of informed by it's it's a it's a very it's an incredibly difficult, complicated thing to walk away from Doctor Strange to, you know, that that's like a, that's a big thing. Huge. And I think you you only do that if you you are compelled by you know, personally having something you feel that you have to do. Um, I think Black Phone would have been a different movie if Scott had not done it after leaving the Marvel movie. Yes. Um, and I think I think it made it um, in a way more personal for him. And he definitely felt like, you know, I have something to prove with this. Um, when you're working, not just any, when you're working on a, hundred million dollar plus movie for anybody it's not no longer anybody's movie it doesn't belong to anybody it belongs to a committee yeah um black phone you know our, our movies lower budget movies they belong to our directors and and it's going from a going from a, a group think to you know this very very personal thing and um and i think one of the reasons the movie is so good is because of that because of how personal it is because of how um important it was to him to go through a very different movie making process, uh, which he did on the black phone. I have to ask you a question. When I was a younger kid in Australia, back when VHS was a big thing, you go to your local video store and we'd rent like, I think it was like seven weekly movies for 10 bucks or something like that. Right. And I wonder that's, you know, me as a horror fan and a genre fan, I just rent every Critters movie and every Friday the 13th and every Freddy and you just kind of do that. And I wonder when you were growing up, did you ever have those like formative physical media experiences outside of the cinema where you were kind of like developing what your taste was? Or was it always in the seat in the cinema that, that you kind of started to build this taste that you have for movies? No, it was for me, it was much more in the cinema. You know, one of the my dad. um my dad was like, um, I mean, he was, a, 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 he was a important force in my life, but he was not the kind of like, he didn't, he was not the kind of guy to like take me to Disneyland or whatever, you know, he didn't, I did stuff that he did. He didn't do stuff for kids. So we went to museums and visit artists because that was his job. And we went to movies. You know, he 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 took me to Star Wars. He took me to um, American Werewolf in London. Oh. Um, he took me to Close Encounters, um, and he took me to fifty other movies. That was one of the one of the one of the activities that we both, I think, equally liked. I think museums he probably liked a little bit more. So I really feel like my my what formed my desire to make movies was my going to the movie theater with my dad. Because you're seeing a bridge there, right? Like in this, you know, sort of some of the themes of the movie is like you're seeing a bridge of like, he's into this and I'm into this and we can be in this dark room together and we're equals, right? In, in this experience. Yeah, and it was, and there weren't, and, to, your, and to, to, to exactly your point, like we didn't have really very, we didn't really have any other bridges. Uh, yeah. I, my parents were divorced. And so I, when I was with him, I was just alone with him. And I think it was, you know, he had never really spent a lot of time with kids. So it was kind of like, I mean, you know, he was a very, um, he was a very, uh, 
responsible father, meaning that, you know, he really took his time seriously and he spent that time with me. But then I think when we were with spending our time together, it was kind of like, what do I do? Um, <laughs> besides take him to all the, you know, dinner party, you know, the stuff that I'm doing, which he did a lot of, which I think was very important for my development. But one of the only kind of bridges to your, to use your, your word were, were, were the movies. I wonder now, and as soon as you said American Werewolf in London, I'm like, of course, Jason Blum went to see American Werewolf in London <laughs> in a cinema. Like, that's like, if, if I had to guess, like the desert island discs of movies that influenced the guy that has produced all this thing, I'm like, of course he saw it. Like, it's one of the greatest, like, genre movies ever made. But I wonder, and I, I like to ask these questions is like, you know, I, I hate the sort of fantasy, you know, I'm not a fantasy football person or a fantasy sports person or whatever the case may be, but... With you right now, I feel like I can ask a fantasy question of like, looking back on that sort of 70s, 80s period, what's your fantasy movie produced? Like what's, what's if you could go back and just imagine yourself at that time, being in the position that you are in now and having the, the skills and the, and I guess the insights that you've got, what kind of filmmakers in that period that you had those formative films being made, what kind of filmmakers would you have loved to work with at that time? Or even what films you know, would you love to have enough, your hands in? You know, funnily enough, it's exactly the opposite of what the company is based on. Cause I, I kind of lost interest in that as I learned more about the movies, but it, it to, to very specifically answer your question, a hundred percent, it was Spielberg movies, like oh, yeah. big Hollywood movies. And when I started my career, I started my career in independent, little independent movies. And my always like the golden chalice for me was I wanted to do Warner Brothers movies. You know, that's yeah. what I wanted to do. And then I did one. It wasn't for Warner Brothers. It was for Fox. And I was very disenchanted, you know, for a lot of reasons. I just talked about Scott leaving um, Doctor Strange, which is that. uh there's so many negative things that go on with the process of making a movie when you're spending enormous amounts of capital. Yeah. So it, they were, they were, they were fun to watch. And I, now I feel like, you know, I, I like watching expensive movies. You know, I just saw Elvis. I thought it was great, <laughs> but I'm glad I, I don't really, I'm not interested in really particularly making those kind of movies. Yeah. I was, uh, Ricky Gervais once did a little quote that said, uh, a camel is a horse designed by a committee. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, uh, no offense to camel lovers out there, but it was just like that. I, I feel like, I feel like your stable is these visions, these very clear, great, you know, array of these stallions, if you like. And, and some of those big movies, if, if the vision is clear, it's kind of miraculous, right? Like, like, as you said, because people are putting so much cash and, and investment into actors and screenwriters and producers. And it's, it's this, it's, it's a constant um, pull between those things. Totally, totally, totally. I've heard you talk about economy of storytelling. You've recently talked about it with documentaries about like sometimes how these big blowout, like 12, you got to do a 12 part documentary instead of doing like a really crisp two hour film documentary. And I wonder like what your thoughts are on features, because sometimes I, I definitely feel that with feature films. It's like, there's a, you know, one of my friends who's a great author and a screenwriter, Jordan Harper. He's like, Blake, give me a tight 90 any day he's like a tight 90 minute movie and i wonder like when you guys are developing things are you thinking about that kind of like consumable uh you know trying to keep it as tight and as just unrelenting as possible because i feel like you're one of the studios i can kind of rely on that like if i'm gonna take 100 minutes out of my day it's gonna be a ride yes and i think that that used to be much more common now 
you know, so many companies, streamers especially, like, well, let the, the director do whatever they want. And you know, that doesn't that there there that doesn't that doesn't make for the best um end result. And I think I think there are a lot of directors who would who would who would agree with that, which is that and we, you know, we we give our directors final cut. Um and we give our directors actually kind of total creative control, but that doesn't mean that we then just say, we'll see in six months. <laughs> we give a ton of input, you know, and I, I give I give a lot of input. And one of the things I, one of my mantras is you, I've never heard anyone walk out of a movie saying, I wish it was longer. Yeah. So I'm very tough <laughs> on running time. I'm tough yeah. on running time for the script because I hate shooting and wasting material. Yes. So I really don't like to, I really don't, really don't like to shoot scripts that are more than 100 pages or 102 pages. And I really don't like to release movies that are more than 100 minutes. I think 100 minutes is, is just fine for a scary movie. You, you want to make a World War II epic? I'll give you two hours and 10 minutes. That's, <laughs> that, that's the matter. <laughs> yeah, I, th there's obviously a scale. I mean, my favorite movie of all time is Michael Mann's Heat, and that's like 166-minute running time, basically. You know what, so Michael Mann, Michael Mann, he, he, that's okay. I love <laughs> That was, that's all right. That, yeah, that, that's all right. I'm glad to hear you say that. Well, look, I, I'm I'm very aware that I, I've only got you for this short amount of time, but I just wanted to say congratulations on the movie success. It's awesome to talk to you while it's uh, kind of a runaway success in both theaters and, and VOD overseas, and I'm looking forward to Aussies catching it, and I'll definitely give it a big recommend of mine. And just look, thank you so much for your time. It's an honor talking to you, and uh, your work and is great. I'm just uh, really impressed. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hi, this is Blake Howard, host and producer of One Heat Minute Productions podcast. We dive into the great and underappreciated cinematic works, often one minute or one scene at a time. Our crew of guests are some of the most wonderful filmmakers, writers, authors, and critics ever assembled. Our shows include One Heat Minute, Josie and the Podcats, All the President's Minutes, Increment Vice, and right now, Zodiac Chronicle. Check out oneheatminute.com or find us wherever you get your podcasts. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.